Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing asses for f***ing years. We have to start with Mead Keane, top of the table. Um, I'm waiting for this bubble to burst. I think I've tipped against Mead every week since the league had started. I tipped him to go down. So did I. I was reminded of as well, based on last year's league where they avoided relegation and lost to Longford in the Championship last year. So it wasn't the worst um, prediction in the world, but they've completely proved me wrong. Um, you you haven't really sold me on them yet either. You've kind of you're not exactly on this Mead rising bandwagon that I'm Kevin McStay is. You're, you're there I'm now. On it now. I'm Tell on us, the bus and we're leaving the I, station. Because <laughs> <laughs> I heard the atmosphere in Navin was obviously brilliant. It would be with a win over Kildare at home like that. Yeah, I would, look, it was the nature of the win as well to to win it with a last minute goal. Having yeah. I, I look, the context of the game yesterday was that Kildare started it very brightly. Um, and then Mead really took over from midway through the first half and dominated the game in its entirety. Really, Mead had sixteen wides. I think Kildare had two or three. So look, Mead Mead should have won the game by an awful lot more. Um, they were fairly dominant throughout. Um, look, I know Kildare would have been missing a few players, but James McEntee was is probably Mead's top player, and he wasn't playing for Mead yeah. either. So they had a good few, Kildare had a good few back now. Like yeah, Kildare had a, had yeah. had a good few of their main men back. Um, Look, going into the game, I probably wasn't really expecting a Mead victory. Just given that, I, I just assumed that Kildare were, would have been slightly ahead of us, yeah. just on the basis of their their league league one uh, campaign last year and just the run that they got in the championship. Um, but look, Daniel Flynn is probably a major major loss for Kildare not being involved with them this year, and Niall Kelly is away at the minute, so they're missing some 
some players that give them a bit of an X factor and in fairness to them in the game yesterday Ben McCormack had started the game quite brightly he had scored a goal um, a screamer yeah and, and had was causing a bit of pro- few problems and um, he had to go off I can only assume it was uh, it was because of an injury because uh, if uh, if he was taken off for performance then Keane O'Neill needs more than the occlusion goggles you know so, <laughs> so it was um, Conor McGill that was fouled for the penalty a full back and yeah. have I not been doing enough giving out about this what the hell was he even doing up there his desperation stakes I'm sure at that he, yeah, it was a, it was a strange one because uh, how he got in behind the Kildare cover was a bit. You know, Mead had a free on on the forty five meter line. Can I just cut you off there? They didn't even show the penalty foul on yeah. League Sunday last night. Beyond belief, it wasn't in the package. Just the penalty. Yeah. Can you believe that? I'm just taking your word for it that it was a fullback that was fouled. I read it. I read it here from a metro <laughs> well, but it's just what, what actually happened. Uh, Graham Riley kicked it. In fairness, it was a brilliant crossfield pass. Conor McGill was running in behind the Kildare cover. He, because of the nature of the conditions, he fumbled the ball, so it landed. Then I think he might have bumped into the goalkeeper, and it fell back to Shane McEntee, the midfielder who was coming in. And as he went to strike it, I think it was uh, Paul or Keith Cribben, maybe or somebody like Tommy. Keith somebody, him, somebody yeah. just basically slide tackled him and took him out of it. Right. So that was it and penalty and in fairness it was brilliantly dispatched by Barry Dardis oh, yeah. who's after scoring 1-1 in the last two games and the interesting thing about him is that he's been on the, he was a great minor forward for me he's scored a lot of goals real good eye for goal top forward in the club championship with, with his club Summerhill who've got to a number of county finals but he was actually and he was on the panel last year as a forward and never really kind of made the breakthrough had a number of injuries and this year he was actually brought in in the early stages as a as a, as an option for a goalkeeper right and I remember I met him in in a, in a pub there before Christmas imagine meeting an inter-county player in a pub so. <laughs> yeah but I mustn't tell anyone that you know, too late too late too late so I met him in the pub and we were having a laugh you know it's the easiest job in football the third choice goalkeeper you know so look at he, he's a good character and he's obviously taken an opportunity I suppose in training games or whatever they're can only be two goalkeepers playing so maybe he's played outfield or there's been a number of injuries in the forward line so he's so he's getting a game he got, he's, he's, he's got come up on trumps, after yeah. 51 minutes like I mean and got the penalty he's obviously an expert penalty taker the way he put yeah, that away he's a really good like, striker I mean, the ball yeah brilliant and um yeah, look, in fairness, he added something when he came in as well. Um, I, I'd say Mickey Newman probably just tired at that stage of the game and it was good to get fresh legs in. And he he did add a little bit of depth to the mead attack and that he stayed right in front of goals and was making his moves from in there and was kind of a good option for first phase possession winner. I thought it was very funny on the highlights last night. So Mead got that goal and then they, they didn't sh- I, I want to repeat, they did not show the incident for the penalty. I couldn't believe that. But then Kildare had another attack and the Kildare goalkeeper, sub-goalkeeper launches up the field anyway so he's up there and just when the final whistle blown he's eating the shit out of some yeah. other defe- some other player for not giving him the pass <laughs> it it be David Highland he was shouting at or like, was it, it looked like again they didn't really show what, what sort of ball went in but it looked like he just might have ballooned a high ball in and yeah. Ar- Arno O'Neill was like well, give it to me like I'm the man <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is just fairy tales so I'm going to come up drive the Rovers and get a goal that I just conceded one for a penalty and I'm going to save the day you just have to give it to me and I have to say he made a fair effort uh, at saving the penalty as well like it was yeah. really well struck and he got hands on it and it nearly kept it out but uh, you'd have to mention Mark Donlan the Clare goalkeeper who pulled off a, a miraculous save Great before save, yeah. that and it looked like he hit his head off the post and he had to go off which was a loss for Clare because O'Neill's kickouts when he came in 
weren't weren't good. as good. He was putting he kind of was skying a lot of them and putting his team under a bit of pressure. But yeah, hopefully Donlan is is okay to feature for them in a couple of weeks' time because he looked fairly shook after it. And it was it w- what could only be described as a, a match saving heroic save by Brilliant him save. at the time. Yeah, Brilliant unbelievable save. stuff. The, the palming it into the net should have been palmed down. He palmed it straight at him, but it's still a brilliant save because, like, uh, at the same time, Galway scored a similar goal and uh, it wasn't saved. I think they had 19 shots made and only five points uh, from play scored from it, which is worrying enough. What are we looking at from Mead? How many forwards are they leaving up the field? What kind of a style of play are we, are we looking at? Has it evolved from last year? Like, we all remember Mead versus Throne last year and, and Mead had gone kind Quite of very... Yeah. Now, maybe that was just a one-off game against Tyrone. That's the last time I've seen Mead in there's, full there's game. A little more, there's a little bit more balance to what they're doing this year in terms of, I think they've, they've developed it on slightly, but look, the key thing for them is they have ferocious hunger for work in their forward line in terms of their tackling and it's tackling high up the field as often as they can. Like right. In the second half, they really pinned Kildare in at times and and that was, you know, that was where the, where they won the game, putting pressure on the ball and forcing turnovers. So, from so that point of view, yeah. they're they're kind of enjoyable to watch. Like I know, you, as, even as a meet support, like if you were to take it from a neutral standpoint, they're a reasonable team to watch because they do try and engage the opposition. Now, sometimes that's not possible, and you know, you have to they have to drop off a little bit. But where 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 they do have an opportunity, they do try to swarm tackle high up the field. So, so you're not seeing fellas turning around and heading back ahead of the ball as much not. as possible. And I think that's Definitely the most not. important thing. But if obviously if the opposition are slow with their build up, uh, like a lot of teams, mm. they'll end up having a few back there yeah. and drift back with the play. And what they have found is that... In I can live with that kind of stuff. Once yeah. you're trying to win it up high up the field and making an effort and the whole way up the field to win it back. Yeah, and in the full back line they've two kind of tigerish tight cornerbacks that are really kind of aggressive and trying to win the ball out in front and things like that. So they're they're playing with a, with a fair degree of bravery um, which should be commended and um, I suppose look the, the reality is they still have a huge huge amount of work to do to, to move on to be competitive with the top teams but they're without doubt they're definitely going in the right direction in terms of their level of consistency but massive work required in their in their attacking play just to, there's a lot of work they could do up there Yeah definitely I think it was Andy McEntee's very first league game he played Kildare they got hammered so like I mean if that's a judge and that was a game Kildare wanted to win make no mistake about that because they need they want to get back up to Division 1 so that it's definitely an indication and they've, they've made up some ground on Kildare definitely like I mean I think the idea that Kildare and and Meath are closing the gap on Dublin I'm not so sure about that I don't think that's a, it's a bit of a, a silly conversation really to be honest because in Croke Park both those teams I, I'd fear for either of those teams in Croke Park against Dublin but like I mean it's neither here nor there well, like, they're, they're uh, definitely improving well, like but you don't reality, have to throw Dublin and, into Andy that McAdee mix. is now in his third year as the meat manager I don't think I don't think he's managed Meath in Croke Park Right, He's managed them at minor level, all right. But Mead haven't had a championship game in Croke Park in a number of years. They haven't played there in the last. The last two time they've been there, they were they were caught by West Mead. The time, jeez, they don't want the memories of that. Yeah. Is that the last no, time? No, Mead I think they might have played Armagh. It could have been a, a game against Dublin. But the, in Andy McEntee's under Andy McEntee, they haven't played right. in Croke Park. Well, that's so. a reflection on how poor they've been in the Leinster Championship. They lost yeah, the for last yeah. year. You know, like I mean, that's it. Right, Conan, I want to bring you in here because, like I mean, I needed to hear something about uh, Mead there. But I think we all can gather together and congratulate Ross Munley on a hundred league appearances. This is a fantastic kind of new development where you know league appearances 100 
are being recognised and I'm very consistent in my opinion so you on like this. this <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. So I did, but is is Monday not a bit different? Have the others not been a hundred appearances? Everything a hundred league, just isolating the league. You know what I mean? That's that's a big thing. Monday's yeah. around for for since oh three. He's sixteen years, so it's not easy to get a hundred league games. If you're adding league and championship, yeah, a hundred appearances. So okay, I'm against the hundred appearances, but I'm all over the hundred <laughs> league. If you get to a hundred league, so Monday scored seven two hundred twenty seven. Um, he started 82 of the 100 games and he scored in 80 of them um, so like I mean it should, couldn't be sniffed at he's what age is he 36 now he must be and mm. he scored 3 from play the other night like, I mean, unbelievable he's a phenomenal uh, character altogether I can't believe every time I look at a leash uh, team sheet it's just Ross Munnelly 1-3 Ross Munnelly not 4 it's, it's, it's yeah. crazy how, like, how he's still doing it so prolific for them but I think you're right in the sense that like the the league is a little bit different because you're only getting what maximum eight games a year, so to have a hundred games like when you might be injured, you might be like just rested for one of those games. Like yeah, hundred. Yeah, it's not easy to get to years. that. Yeah. It's not easy to get to that milestone. Although like the, the Cluxton nearly is a hundred championship ones. Ah, yeah. <laughs> He's a freak altogether. <laughs> yeah. And Sean Cavanagh and stuff like. And John Sugru said that he'd only learned. He said after the game, "We I only really learned after the game, this was his 100th game, so thank God we didn't take him off. So um, <laughs> I thought that was a good one. Um, Donegal, our lads. I said, remember I said on Thursday, Conan, that I wanted to watch this one because I was really mm. looking forward to it. Donegal, the team I like, Armar, my new team, apparently <laughs> from this podcast because I seem to be obsessed with them. Um, Abitur was a washout. It was, a, it, was, it was not what I'd hoped it was. The goalpost, Jesus Christ, did you see the footage of the goalpost yeah. just blowing Scary. so much? <laughs> Scary how windy that was was and a lot of our nonsense in it which I thought had, might have gone out of Armagh but it hasn't a lot of diving from Donegal incredible amount of going down holding their heads like Ryan McHugh Stephen Campbell tackled Ryan McHugh once in the first half he just put a forearm across his chest uh, where the ball was trying to dislodge the ball Ryan McHugh fell down holding his face his face wasn't touched this needs to stop and McHugh did it again in the second half um, and a lot of Donegal lads now I don't know if this is a combination of Armagh's roughhouse tactics and the Donegal boys thinking well if they want to do that we'll just go down and that, mm. I used to do that myself yeah. so don't, maybe don't want to be too critical of them and and in fairness Blaine Hughes the Armagh goalkeeper did the exact same thing in the second half it was McGonagall went in for a ball on the ground and he jumped out over his foot there was no contact whatsoever and he went down holding his head so it was all this old Ulster football nonsense ascending off and the macho man stuff and you just wish that kind of yeah. attitude was gone but obviously Armagh Donegal the minute the two of them see each other they're thinking maybe of the early 2000s or yeah. whatever and it's just like oh, it was a bit toxic the they, whole game they, they bring out the worst in each other yeah. don't they and like there was a lot of times where boys weren't even bothering to tackle just closed fists just jabbing boys yeah. in the ribs and it's like what are you doing I'm playing a football match here like you know what what is that achieving like, the conditions didn't help all no, that no they sure. didn't like, but I just hate seeing that when, like, it's, not, it's not hard they point someone on the ribs when they think they're playing football like you know when it brings that like Kieran McGinney line back if you want to box let's box if you want to play football let's play football like yeah. you know and then the stamp obviously as well from Sheridan like you know you're probably going to bring that up it was just a lot of this Oh, just the unsavoury things that were happening in the game unnecessary nonsense yeah. really that's what it is that's what it is and like I mean I, I don't remember seeing it in a while but it was whatever about the night was in it and like I thought Armagh had 
become a footballing team but I think it was their wing back number five I can't think of his name now he he need he need one of Donegal players into the, into the head like I mean he left Connor his knee Mackin, was Mackin, it? Yeah. yeah he left his knee in there and that was deliberate now he knew what he was doing there um, and that was one occasion where a Donegal player went down holding his head where he actually deserved to go down <laughs> holding his head I saw a tweet from Kieran McKeever saying Donegal is well coached in the head injury rule that's for sure every tackle they go down holding the head <laughs> but like it was it was a, it was a weird one and then the sending off um, there wasn't much in the initial tackle from Langan nothing really in it at all Hall went down very easily and then Jason McGee and James Morgan I think it was just second man yeah, well, in things it was, it was sort of Rory Grugan I think that had yeah, claimed that Morgan was like thing, the fourth which, man in it yeah which was quite strange because Look, yeah, like that. It was a bit clumsy, but I didn't think there was anything majorly no. malicious in no. it from McGee. Um, I, Rory Grugan looked like he went over and gave him gave him a dig in the ribs, yeah. um, which looked completely unnecessary. If anybody should have gone, it was probably Grugan. Yeah, he was the first one in. Well, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't really. And again, what's the point? Uh, it, it just summed up the game that there was just that sort of. It was busy. It was scrappy. There was. You know, there's no real football played by either team and even when footballers like Grugan get involved in that stuff you know everyone's kind of losing their heads at that stage yeah. everyone's yeah. heads are yeah. gone and that can easily happen you can just get ticked but the Niall Sheridan thing that it was terrible to see that now in Niall Sheridan's defence it was more petulant than dangerous because like he didn't stand up and put all his weight on it he jabbed at him with his foot now look it looked terrible and he'll get a suspension and a well deserved one and it was cowardly it wasn't a leg breaker and you probably see tackles that could hurt a player a lot more in normal play yeah uh, look it wasn't yeah I, I accept I accept that point it wasn't majorly aggressive but it's just so stupid yeah. like I mean if you're his teammate you'd be disgusted with him you, you know I, I know he got away with it but just be disgusted with him like what do you get on with the game like what are you getting involved in this rubbish for yeah. you should have got sent off which leaves us in trouble as a group well, why I'll are te- you doing I'll it? tell you why he did it and this is not painting him in a good light because Owen Bon Gallagher was flying it yeah. like he was attacking at will he was great pace and he should probably be left half back and Ryan McHugh right half back Donegal with a lovely two attacking half backs with loads of pace do you think that's why he did it well I might slow this little effort down do you know jeez yeah. I hope that's not what was in his head I hope it was just a moment of madness that's what I thought it was because he was terrorising them and it was like you know this one might put a bit of manners in him and he might not want to come ah. forward as much well like, if that's the case that's, then yeah, that's, that's me guessing like, but yeah. I just, it just there's, not, there's good, not too many lads playing inter-county football get intimidated yeah, by that sort of stuff they yeah. just get on with the game no, especially no. the way it's gone now yeah. just, pe- people are putting too much time and effort into it they're not going to be pushed around by anybody and the problem with that is is that Ban Gallagher all he did was hold his ankle right so he got no he, he was got, more shocked than anything else what are you doing yeah. 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 but should he see this is where you see a lot of simulation coming into the game if he had dived backwards and rolled around five or six times would Sheridan got sent off most likely yes yeah. But like, is the message then to Van Gallagher make a, more of a meal out of it, or else he's not going to get sent off? Like he should have got sent off. How could a linesman or a referee not have seen that stamp? Yeah, and McHugh could have he had the same opportunity with Campbell as well after he went down holding his head, but Campbell, oh, Campbell. came over and kicked the ball. I wouldn't but mind he that. He still that had the opportunity to roll, and like you know, other rolled. people might have done that. Like, yeah, you know I, mean? I know. I, the Campbell thing of kicking the ball that was just uh, that's playful more than anything else. It's like get up, you little pups, and never even touch it. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? He didn't even, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't have any problem with that because McHugh definitely tried to 
tried to sell him down the river there. Oh yeah, like, like I have no problem with Campbell kicking the ball, but I just mean there was a chance for McHugh to start rolling around as well. And it yeah. was. Oh jeez, we don't want that. But like Van Gallagher had a right. Jeez, don't start encouraging rolling right. around for the touch of the ball. <laughs> I'm encouraged saying Van Gallagher would be in his right after being stomped on. on his bloody ankle. Oh uh, yeah, that so, makes more sense. That way. <laughs> so Galway Mayo then was more of the same. And a horrible night and a game you could be looking forward to. And like I mean, I don't know. It it it, it was harmless enough. Uh, kind of stuff because Galway were down to 13 men with the wind and Mayo couldn't do much with it and like I mean Yeah you'd, you'd have to think there should be maybe a motion to Congress that there's no matches played in Castlebar or Bally Buffet <laughs> you know in certain months of the year yeah. you have that as the off season it's just you can't the you can't say much about it like, Castlebar you can't yeah. analyse it it's a game of two halves and it, it, it bothered me a little bit in the commentary like I mean they were kind of talking about Mayo's real slow build up and Galway moving it really fast and almost comparing them like for like and it's like there's a gale force wind Mayo are struggling badly here they've only scored three because of the gale force wind they can't get it up the field and Galway couldn't get it up the field but now the Mead result is a little bit different to this but it kind of reminded me about comebacks and how difficult it is to maintain a comeback so Mayo are coming back and coming back and we talked about this in the Hurling Show last week you have to get level if you can get level you set panic in the opposition and you might go on and win it. If you can't get level, Darty missed a terribly easy chance to go level. And it gave Galway that springboard and that confidence to go, well, now we'll put manners on you. Suddenly they get a point. Now you're two behind, you need three to get ahead. And it's demoralising. It's yeah. almost like it happened to us. <coughs> I'll never forget it. We were 2-1 to no score down in an under-21 all-earned final against Kerry. Seven down. We got it back to four at half time. We got it back to one. Uh, 10 minutes into second half and Ian Fitzgerald missed the handiest chance you'll ever see cut in on the 21 and put in the goalie's hands and it was on Kerry went up and got a point Mike Frank Russell got a free then suddenly I felt demoralised yeah. I was Pissed like oh god yeah. we had them we, they were on the rack like you know and I would say it was just a concentration thing with Ian but the lift that gave them suddenly instead of being level we were two behind that needed three and the way, oh, this is a long way back now again. Yeah. I think Kerry got a second one then, and then suddenly like, the whole sting was taken out yeah. of. But sure, there are so many games where where it does it, it comes down to you see exe- so often yeah. score just finishing execution. And Mayo had enough chances in the second half of the game to to really put May- Galway under pressure and to probably get back level or go ahead. And th- th- those missed chances from distance. Um, just kind of hurt them you know when the game was kind of there they, they had the opportunities to get scores on the board like they lost by two in the end yeah. I mean they missed a number of opportunities with the wind at their back I know they were from distance but you know Shane Walsh scores gets a score that no one on the field can get in the in the first half and Mayo are missing chances from 30 metres inside that range Yeah, um, and it, that's just what ultimately killed them in the end despite all of the good play and bad play from both teams through the whole game it's just very often comes down to your, your finishing what a pass by Anton O'Lee yeah, for the, now I knew that Heaney wasn't on camera when he kicked that pass and I just knew this is going to be a great you just whatever way he kicked it he saw something nobody else was seeing and he whipped it yeah, around yeah. and it was perfectly into a running man's path I like this little fella I think he's lively I think he's a nightmare to mark you don't like even if he doesn't score 1-4 off you you're going to have a very tough night marking this fella and it looks like that was his brother Finney and O'Lee because they're both from Spiddle so I'm presuming yeah. they're brothers um he came on in the second half but he looks like a really a really good little player and definitely an option for them in the championship but mentioning Finney and Ali 
Colin Boyle went into meltdown in the second half now he was a complete liability how he stayed on the field I don't know because you'd imagine Horan would know him and know when he kind of loses his head a little bit and Colin Boyle is a type of combative almost caveman like player who just throws himself into all sorts and like he might not he's not the most disciplined player I don't even think he's the tightest marker but he's a warrior and he'll win you a ball that might inspire your team and he's got loads of values with stuff like that and he's not afraid even though he's not the most accurate he'll come up and get you an inspirational point because he's got great balls and he's just a great fella in a way to have on the team but when he loses his mind get him off the field altogether because he's a liability in the second half so he ripped the ball out of Finian O'Lee's hands then he complained to referees if I'm, how am I not allowed to do this you're not allowed to do it it's not rugby like Ian said to Conan here recently <laughs> like I mean you can't do it then Aidan O'Shea was following back on, on Duggan um, in midfield and he was tackling him disciplined tackling like Aidan O'Shea always does and he just comes running in recklessly takes him down that was on the 45 another free for McHugh or whatever then he fouled Michael Daly off the ball now you could say that was a, a very soft one but he was still pulling at him enough to give the referee the option now it was a very soft free I, th- I wouldn't but, have given yeah, a free but there the myself. other thing is like you just have to you're playing Galway are playing against a gale of wind all they had to do was keep Galway out in front of them yeah. to give him an opportunity from a free to take don't that put risk. your hands on yeah, him don't silly. put your hands on him at all and he's experienced enough to not to know that's the like, thing I mean, it's, it's a sort of a things an inexperienced player might yeah. do and yeah. it looked it looked like a soft free on the camera but Daly's hand was going back so maybe he gave him a bigger pull before the camera actually went on you yeah, don't I'd, actually I'd know say, I'd say it was probably, um, the, probably the third worked. pull yeah. of the jersey that he <laughs> had the free given against and him and then uh, unbelievably he's still on the field at this stage now Mayon, these are all like important periods of the game when Galloway are giving Galloway a chance to settle things down and have a shot at goals then he hits Shane Walsh a punch into the face <laughs> like I mean this is on the 14 yard line like this is a, a, a kickable free May only lost by two now like I mean I, I was surprised he stayed on the field here lads yeah well it was an interesting one on that, that last one where he ended up slapping Shane Walsh in the face the Keegan and Walsh had competed for the ball it went over both of them and Boyle put his hand Harrison was I think was coming out from the full back position he could have picked it up Boyle put his hand up in the air as if to say my ball my ball stay away from it didn't realise Shane Walsh was coming behind yeah. him Shane Walsh then gets it off him and is in the corner with three Mayo men around him and he and just slaps him at this yeah. Boyle is really thick now he's so, fuming at this stage yeah, <laughs> so he, he just compounded his own error really with, with that uh, lack of discipline and um yeah, and another score on the board for Galway. So it was just one of them. I think he must have been watching the Seamus Darby uh, documentary on Leo Gale with the Seamus Darby celebration because he threw a bit of a tantrum at one stage where he jumped up in the air and threw yeah. the ball. Ah, look, it was just he'd lost the head. That was great, the Seamus Darby documentary, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, he's fantastic. Great stuff. character. A great character is yeah. right, yeah, and a great like a real checkered life then, and all going to London yeah, and very lost all his money. Yeah, great, very interesting, and a great life story. And uh, like, I mean you almost think after doing what he did against Kerry and he only getting on that last couple of minutes and thinking that he's going to get on before it was just fairy tale stuff mm. and then how his life panned out a brilliant story easily the most famous goal ever scored in the history of the GA easily will we see one this year to stop the dubs probably not Whoa. who's the Seamus Darby lads who's number 20 to 30 here that could be the hero this year you sound like a selector on the team who's <laughs> going to be the Seamus Darby here there they are lads there they are That's, they're the speeches that need to be given now so Leitrim have got into Division 3 lads so this reminds you of Carlo last year did Carlo secure it up in Carrick and Shannon as well he could have I think I have some me- memory of them jumping around the field up there 
I think oh, they could have. They, they did it with one game to spare. One game anyway. to spare yeah, as well. Yeah. the last day. Yeah. yeah. So they did. So they've been stuck in Division Four for eleven straight years. Ever since they were relegated from Division Three in the first season after the leagues were, leagues were redrawn. So before two thousand and eight, there was a Division One A and One B, and Division Two A and Two B, and they were both supposed to be equal. I think back then it was kind of changed around. So then they're back in Division Three. It's their first promotion of any sort in the league since nineteen ninety. And they'll play Derry in Crow Park. So, like, I mean, Emily Mulligan will get to play in Crow Park. Where was Emily Mulligan in the Tommy Murphy Cup final in 2006? That's what I want to know because Leitrim played there in 2006 in the Tommy Murphy Cup final. So, Emily wasn't a played there or else he was lying to us about playing in Crow Park. <laughs> or else I wouldn't say he was on the bench. He only come on. He's coming back from injury now. Um, so, they're going, they're going pretty well. Wasn't it the weirdest goal ever? Did you see the highlights of no, this I goal? No, I didn't see the goal. He's coming in on goals to wing back. and. Sure. Oh, is a ro- it was a ro- oh, yeah, Shane Quinn. It was like Shane a shoulder Quinn. or something. He bounced the ball. It didn't come back up right to him, and he shouldered it into the, <laughs> shouldered it into the net. <laughs> it was the most unorthodox, awkward-looking goal, <laughs> and like he kind of celebrated it. Then after that, Terry Highland deserves enough credit. Now he's been promoted out of Division Four, Three, and Two. So, like, I mean, it just goes to show, lads. These Division Four teams, they don't have structures. They don't have everybody committing. They don't have good managers a lot of the time. I don't want to be disrespectful to the manager down there. Maybe they don't have the expertise, and I find that's how, like, you know for example Carlo got out of Division 4 playing a really defensive style because maybe they might not have the expertise to know how to they might still be in the old uh, not tracking the runners and not bringing the ball into contact phase I don't know but anyways Terry Highland just showed what a good management setup can do with the likes of Leitrim and I think any team in Division 4 can potentially get into Division 3 mm. It's brilliant and the scenes afterwards were, were amazing just all the photos being taken on the field it's just a shame it has to come to an end now against Derry Cooper. <laughs> you don't do fairy tales, do you, Conan? <laughs> Whip these whippersnappers back in the yeah, shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, let's let's burst this Leitrim bubble here very quickly. Right, so I want to talk about this quickly before we go on into part two. I hope it's quickly, but you wouldn't know with me. Um, it's this footage that emerged on Friday where St. Patrick's Mahara uh, were playing Abbey CBS and the game ended 2-1 and these are under 15 so they, I mean, this was my day off and I made the mistake of checking dimensions on Twitter and saw this and then got uh, involved in this like I mean I can't comprehend this I really can't and like the damage that these teams playing this systems are doing at senior inter-county level that they're inspiring coaches down it at club level which is bad enough but when you're inspiring coaches at underage level that the young children like that don't get to learn catching, kicking, scoring corner forwards getting on the ball getting dummy solos practising all those great skills or maybe will they become obsolete the way the game's going that a dummy solo is useless when do you see it now as much that they're learning to camp inside their 45 and hope the other team engages them and the other team didn't bother like was this not unbelievably sad and worrying when you saw footage like that of under 15s 14 year old children playing that shite honestly now this uh, I got to the point where I'm like what's happening here what is Jodie Gormley is the head of PE and apparently in Abbey CBS apparently all the Abbey CBS teams play like this and any team Jodie Gormley has been involved in play like plays like this Dan Gordon was the Abbey manager you think Dan Gordon would know better like a down player who's got to an All-Ireland final in 2010 playing brilliant football and the tradition of down football is brilliant football that Dan Gordon how could he look himself in the mirror after sending 14 year olds out to play like that I can't I can't comprehend it lads yeah it's hard to even know where to start with it um, to be honest because 
God, I hope it's not something that uh, we have to see too often or, or that it's a trend that continues because there can be absolutely no enjoyment for players on either team. It, like, that's not a game of football. Like, that, it wasn't wasn't a competitive action. I mean, it's... It's it's, t- it's bringing the game into you might as well You might as well be going bowling or something. Like, I mean, like there, there's no enjoyment from either team, from, from either set of players no. in that. Well, I think the managers need to be answerable for this. Like, mm. I mean, they should. They should have to explain why they would set it. Now, obviously, this is an isolated enough incident, you would hope. But once is enough for me. Oh, for children in yeah. one school to go through fourteen a year of school learning that shit, that that's one too many. I don't care if it's one percent, and it's probably more than that. But that's it, mm. th- I I don't know what the fix there is because the lo- obviously the solution yeah, is to well, this. Like the, the thing about it is, it's it's very difficult. Like there, there's context and everything, and the thing is, it's something a video goes up of a particular incident, and we draw wider conclusions than maybe we need to at times. Um, you know the. The thing is that the the defend the, the team that won the game two one Pat Mahara had scored six twenty eight in their previous two games, so the opposition decided that they would play this way. Yeah. As you say, that seems to be a trend that that's how Abbey CBS play all the time, as opposed to in a one off match. I have, I look, I don't, you know, my thing on it anyway. I, I don't agree with that. Every man behind the ball, anyway. I think it's the most moronic. They lost the game anyway. Yeah. Like I just think it's you think moronic. This was winning it's pointless. Football. It's yeah. stupid. It it's. It does a complete disservice to all people involved, um, but and I just you, yeah, I just it's 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 difficult. To, it's a difficult one to gauge because if it was a one-off game, I could kind of understand a certain tactic to play. Not at that age group. Not no, at that age group, not at yeah. that age group. It's well, suppose, yeah, it's under fourteen. Yeah. Oh, it's under yes, fourteen. Yeah. You were talking at senior level, and we'll accept that with Carlo playing Dublin or whatever. But can we accept it if that's inspiring? Like, I mean, we have to be very careful. You have coaches like Stephen Poacher who believe strongly in this. Carlo were at it again at the weekend, and he's going around on coaching seminars, coaching coaches. Like that's where Turlock O'Brien met him. What the hell is going on here? This lad should be have uh, these classes should be banned. It's not Gaelic football. It's a, some hybrid of soccer tactics. It's not Gaelic football. And if that's the, a result of any sort of kind of new wave coaching for children, now I, I don't know. Like you hear Sean Cavan on League Sunday last night, and he's talking about Fermanagh, and look, Fermanagh are getting the results. Fair enough. Um, that's grand and this idea with Fermanagh and Sean Kavanagh actually said this well like if they went man for man they'd be beat by 10 or 15 points they would not Fermanagh are a bloody good team they have a lot of good players if they had their whole panel they're a division 2 team that's a fact the idea that they're going to be beaten by 10 or 15 points by who they were playing like this in division 3 so they wouldn't they would have won division 3 playing feckin' 15 aside playing attacking football no problem they're too good for Division 3 they're probably bottom half Division 2 team but the idea Sean Kavanagh said it last night and you hear Rory, Rory Gallagher saying have a bit more confidence in, Rosc- in Fermanagh's players they wouldn't be beat by 10 or 15, 15 points Roscommon weren't beaten by 10 or 15 points against Dublin yesterday manned up against them went to actually go for them scored one nine and a half stop this nonsense that you have to play like that or else you'll be beaten by 10 or 15 points in Croke Park against Dublin maybe you would be the, the 10 or 15 points don't happen from Division 2 down there's no team standing head and shoulders above everybody that's going to beat any team by 10 or 15 points in my mm. eyes not at this time of the year if you have a good setup and a, and a properly structured team but this is the thing all these things and the hand pass thing and all these solutions they, these are solutions that would would potentially evolve to get the game back 
But I think the almost drastic measures now where rest- a restriction has to be given. Where that's that doing that is banned. It's not allowed. So you have to leave four players in the other 45. Now, if you get your full back line, traditional full back line, full forward line, and this was one of my proposals at the time, and this has to come in now. As simple as this, because coaches are not doing it themselves. It's not working. Well, a lot of them are. Like, your man's a lot not, of them like, are. I think the solution is just to sack that manager. Like, honestly, with this, like, and it's the same with any sport. Like, when any coach who's coaching 15 and 14-year-olds... He's head of PE, trying Gormley, and like, sacking him. And this is embarrassing, like, for not only for the sport, but for that school. Like, they should be holding him accountable. Like there's people sending their kids to training three days a week they're sending them off for evenings to go play football some of the kids aren't making the team and then some of them are going through hard times because they have a bad game and then yeah. the parents will see this this is what we're sending our kids away for yeah. awful stuff but like like he, he should like he should be the one held accountable for this I, I, I think it's, it is shit and I think when managers do it at a senior level we should criticise it as well because it's because more because of that and I didn't really think of what they're inspiring you're almost accepting it at senior level now where there's 15 lads inside of 45 they're not coming out to play they're waiting for like we're accept- it's, it's become the norm now and we're accepting it and we're almost saying oh well I kind of see if it's a weak team yeah. in think of the schools in that county think of the underage teams in that county think of the young people going to watch that game this is not Gaelic football it shouldn't be stood for but so there has to be a restriction on how many men you can bring back and I've said this before so in the Armagh game the other night it was very it just jumped out at me at one stage you just the ball is not uh, you're following the ball and suddenly you see Jamie Clark sprinting after the full back mm. Cole just just in camera but not really Cole's just gone sprinted on up ahead of the ball so Jamie Clark follows him the, bo- the play goes on Armagh turn it over Armagh attack Jamie Clark is stuck out around the midfield there's nobody up front and I was just thinking we know there was times the other night where Armagh have 15 men inside the 45 Armagh and we know we talked to Rory Grugan it's not their style they don't want to play like that they're being forced into that because Donegal or the, the idea and Justin McNulty's mantra with us in 2011 when I was there was we all attack, attack together and we all defend together it's basketball tactics so everyone can go up and you have 15 on 15 in their half and then everybody come back and we're accepting this again because it's better than it's better than the alternative of, of having 15 there and only 8 going up to meet them so we're saying let everybody go up and at least we'll see them all pair off it's not Gaelic football like Gaelic football has a full forward line who are your scorers and we have to protect that and we can't have cornerbacks disappearing up the field and dragging these let's be honest lads corner forwards full forward lines are the glamour positions on Gaelic football fields it's what people pay in to see Bernard Brogan all the Gooch James O'Donoghue Jamie Clark, all these brilliant players we don't want them chasing a corner back who's not really bothered about getting on the ball just to drag them out of there it turns the game into a farce so we have to restrict it and it's a very simple fix three full back line three full forward line three markers three scorers named anyone who play, who come, any substitute comes on for them on the slip of paper goes to the referee I'm replacing uh, Paul Mannion he's you're back in there as an attacker and that, that's not hard to police lads and if you want to put four into the mix and say one can float so you have to have one more yeah, pair four, four attackers in the opposition half or whatever it is yeah. Four, yeah well the three full back line three full forward line have to stay inside the four, 45 they're your taggers markers then you need one other pair and they can alternate your half back line do you know what I mean once you have somebody else so you have four you have, you're saving eight 
Like that they can alternate. Th- See, then it starts getting alter- a bit tricky. Then well, like, are they think- wearing different jerseys? Like, does, how does I don't think they're wearing difficult jerseys. Like, if the referee just looks and sees that they don't have the, the play is 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 pulled up. Like, I yeah. mean, it's very simple. Some yeah, refs are struggling to count the hand. Look, the, the problem. The linesman the problem can watch it. Like, a linesman can make sure that there's four there. Well, well, it, at, at the minimum, full back line, full forward line. That is not hard to police. Yeah, but look, to my mind, it's not a rules problem. It's a coaching problem. Yeah. But he, but it won't fix that. How can you fix people like this who are happy to send? teams out they can't fix it well, it's just embarrassing well, the coaching well, well, ge- I'll tell you how you fix them because they never win anything and they get mm. replaced that's just a fact but how long do we have to wait for this to evolve then like I mean you could be another uh, 10 until the years. boys get under 16 Ser- no but seriously like, <laughs> no I mean, look you I don't know you can't Jim McGuinness started this in 2011 now we're 2019 now and we a lot of this has become normalised to the point even on this podcast even though the football we like to watch or believe in you'll still watch a game that will be defensive and you'll you're accepting it and I'm even on the podcast accepting this I mean you should be allowed to see a defensive game too yeah, right I think you like, can and I think your half forward line can drop back and I've no problem with that you'd be silly not to but this thing of there has to be a restriction on it I don't I, I don't and it it definitely has become normalised it definitely has become part of the game now and I saw Aidan O'Rourke who always... Look, the, the, the biggest, the fundamentally, the way I see it is that the biggest change that has occurred, whatever, we talk about the coaching and the tactical approach and whatnot, there, there's definitely coaches out there who are promoting a, a very negative style of football which involves um, players not engaging with the, with, with the opponents when they have possession and retreating back into a defensive shell. Um, that's one side of it. The second thing is that the conditioning levels of players at inter-county level is as is just through the roof it's phenomenal and there's an ability for them to cover far more ground than players of the past which naturally leads to some sort of an evolution of the game but the fundamentals of it are that it's the coaches that are encouraging players to drop back into those um, wholly inadequate defensive shells that's the that's a fu- that is the problem and I don't know how you address that in a rule change or something that works at all levels of the game it's very very difficult because there are so many factors around the whole thing and we can't you know you couldn't get into all of them here and now you'd have to take you'd have to take a long time to think about it and go yeah. through the whole thing but you know obviously we're all kind of talking from the same standpoint which is that it it's it's not enjoyable for players really to play in a game like that and it's certainly um, something that nobody really wants to watch either from a neutral perspective I think it's the t- it's part of the problem why you see drop off in, in players playing the game because they don't, people play what they enjoy playing yeah. but how do we it. how do we protect this problem with corner forwards being dragged completely out of position yeah, well, look, like we have talked about this and you bluffed them and not one team is bluffing and we've talked about that so the bluff obviously is not going to happen so you're getting all the top forwards on, in the country being dragged out by the full back line I think right forget about the half back line it might be you'd nearly need to sit down with the rules committee and actually discuss what are the, are the downsides of this what are the downsides of your full back line and full forward line just remaining traditional no, it, and being your scorers and your markers but and w- Willie, there's the, the only thing with that is that's just coaching that's a manager of a team being strong enough or just making that decision and making that call and saying these are our four lads that are staying up the field and that's it and but, they, ne- but that, that's what Armagh are trying to do Donegal are attacking no, and dragging know, them no, out of there I, so like they, no, they, I, ex- I understand that that's what they're trying to do but there's no explicit explicit instruction from the manager or the coaching team to the entire group that says Jamie Clark if I see you back in our half I'm taking you off 
you stay up there. I don't care if your man comes back here. You stay there. There must I'm, be a tactical reason why no one's doing that. But I'm telling you, there's, it's, it's people don't think if, outside the box. If you're Pep, Pep Guardiola, off. as a coach, insists on certain things happening. He insists upon them. So he takes the responsibility for that decision away from the players. It, like, if you're playing half uh, corner forward and the cornerback runs up the field, you have a choice to make. If, if you don't go with that player... And, and he does something positive. Your teammates are pointing the finger at you. You don't want to be in that position, okay? So you can't make that decision yourself on the field unless it has been spoken about within the group or by the management team beforehand. If it's been spoken about and the responsibility for that decision is taken away from you, your teammates understand that that's not your job. You have a different job within the dynamic of the group. And all I'm saying is that that's something that can very easily be done but it's fairly obvious that no manager on any team or that, that we can see evidence of has made that call and told players that. No, no. But then again, you can't tell all three. They're all taken off, let's. Like, no, I mean, that's look, it. You're, you're, never, you're, you're going to have two. Most teams play, very few teams play with two with, with a three-man full forward line. It's It's... The top teams are generally trying to play with four players up and their other two players are auxiliary. And there's an awful lot of interchange between those four players up top. And some teams have two guys that are generally, more often than not, are playing as the highest players up the field. Um, and it's a fairly simple... Like, if I, if I was playing on a team and my function is to get scores, well, then I have to stay up in that danger zone as often as possible. There is no point in me being back in my full back line. Absolutely no point at any stage of the game. And you're not a good tackler back there. No, Clark, Clark had a really soft shoulder. Your, your skill set is. Is, oh, I, don't know, use else, I don't know I, I don't think I, I, I think the restriction has to happen with full forward lines and full back lines because otherwise wh- why would you not as a cornerback Mark and Jamie Clark head on up the field and try and drag him with you why would you not do that and if you drag uh, you have to remember if you drag if he doesn't follow you you just head over the other side of the field and suddenly the pay develops and you're a free man over there like I mean I know there's players back but a lot of teams now like I said Justin McNulty we all attack together we all defend together so the attacking teams now are pushing a lot of players up into that attacking so you're like that spare man there and it does make a difference because most people watch a lot of sport right an example I can use is that if if you're playing if you watch say Barcelona Real Madrid which was on instead of the Donegal Armagh game but Messi for Barcelona just doesn't track back. He never tracks back, which yeah. means that Barcelona, for their whole time, have a weakness on the right-hand side of the pitch. Real Madrid, all of their attacks for the whole game came down the left-hand side because Messi was not doing any defensive work whatsoever. The team take that chance on the basis that they're willing he's fresh. To, that he's fresh, and it's it's a. Uh, they're, they're basically doing the calculation we're better off not having Messi back here we're better off having him in a position where he can counter and break quickly and make something happen for us and we're accepting that we have a, a defensive weakness on this side of our field and we're making that calculation yeah it's a very good point isn't it I think GEA don't make that calculation it's Salah like, does it yeah. for Liverpool as Salah, well Salah they're giving a free some players are just giving he's a free pass he's from already, that work yeah, exactly. yeah. that's, what it, we're that's the not the mantra of GEA no, it's work yeah. work everybody but, but it's because they're doing so much they're contributing so much from an attacking perspective that it's accepted yeah now, when it comes to the crunch and you're playing Dublin, can you afford to leave a guy just standing up the field and not doing anything? You can't maybe, let Johnny maybe Cooper not. go, you see. But can Johnny you Cooper. afford to make David Clifford come back into his full back line? Yeah. No. You no. can't. He has to be up in the forward line. Yeah. 
I don't know what to do, lads. I'm scratching my oh. head when you see this, but like, in I mean, this case, any underage coach who's prioritizing winning over developing players, like that, I think that's even a separate issue. Like, you know, that's just one bad yeah, yeah. coach. Like, you know, yeah, you should be right. developing players this, for the future. This is the thing I can't understand. This is Jody Gormley and Dan Gordon. These aren't. I, sometimes I think these coaches that do this are these kind of wannabe Mourinho. You know, these coaches who never were any good themselves and live vicariously through their sons and think that you know having a notion what they're doing and they might be getting inspired by managers these are two top inter- ex-inter-county players that should know better and they really really should know better now and Dan Gordon has to really examine what he's doing with a team to be a manager of a team after like the county he comes from and the rich tradition and the player he was and the teams he played on Dan that ain't you <laughs> like I mean yeah. don't anyways listen we've gone way over time there we're going to go straight to Paddy Power Performance of the weekend where we'll we'll concentrate a bit more on Ross Common I work as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me, hey, Coffrey, you free state bastard. And next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> Paddy Power Performance of the weekend and we're going to start off with Donny Smith who was maligned on this show recently for a misdemeanour we'll call it um, and he's come back very well um, I thought his dummy, his dummy bounce on Keena Sullivan now the great thing about the dummy bounce on Keena Sullivan especially is Keena Sullivan thought he was coming in on Smith's blind side and Smith couldn't see him Like because yeah. Keena Sullivan would never rush in like that he's not, he's not stupid but Keen thought he had him blindsided and you know the way you can block a lad when he doesn't even know you're when you don't even know he's yeah. coming. So Keen thought he was doing that and he, Donny Smith had some sort of a sixth sense where he caught him at the last minute and he dummy bounced instead of soloed because it was a last minute thing. But like I mean a lot of players kind of see that at the last minute and still go to shoot and get blocked down. Yeah. Like you still do it. He didn't do it. And then the second one was just beautiful. There's nothing nicer when you get on a roll of dummy solos. Not that it would have happened to me very often. <laughs> I would have saw Bino McDonald do it. When he do one suddenly it opens uh, the opportunity for him to do a second one even on a different foot and it's like brilliant yeah. but it's because te- when teams see a dummy solo it's like they get a bit thick and they go well I'm going to get him and then they're wide open it was yeah. Conor Callaghan took the dummy solo and he soloed on in it was a thing of absolute beauty and I have to say Roscommon impressed me massively yesterday I know they went out of it in the second half but Dublin are a, a much better team than Roscommon but they played brilliant football in the first half scored 1-9 went for Dublin uh, left Lennon and Cox up front all the time but they looked like they had a lot more players left being left up front to support them and like I mean I think they, they definitely showed the way and we to be fair we were down a lot on Roscommon and it's unfair really because we hadn't really seen them we mm. saw them against Mayo they were very defensive that was a terrible day but the job Anthony Cunningham has done so far for them um, it, it's been very impressive you'd have to say and they're not anywhere near a black debt or anything of the sort on yesterday's evidence no, they played some nice football. Um, some particularly good deliveries into the lovely know, deliveries, lovely deliveries, yeah. and things like that. And they have they have quality players up front. They really do. They have some nice footballers all around the field. And look, both of Dublin's goals were fairly 
sort of scrappy goals that on another day mightn't have gone in and it was the second goal really that, that broke Roscommon's spirit as such and God such a, a jammier goal you yeah. never mm-hmm. see I mean if hits the calf of the defender and deflects in I mean it was going wide yeah. when Dean Rocks swiped at it so but they they have quality forwards and they'll pose problems to most teams and I suppose that's the commentary we would have made after the Mayo game was that they have these players why why have them all back behind the ball but you know that's the first day of the league Anthony Cunningham is trying to build something trying to make them hard to beat and an appetite for work in a team sometimes can just lead to stuff like that happening yeah going uh, ravenous for the ball and yeah. following the ball and suddenly but I, I like the way they were set up they, I did they, just, they did just run out of steam but I mean there's very few teams can, can keep with Dublin for the duration yeah, I thought Kieran Lennon was a good player. He played well too. Connor Cox, some of the points he scored, he's a nomination for performance of the weekend too. Have to say, I agreed with Kevin McStay last night. He has to be going for a goal there. Mm. Like, I mean, when you think about getting a half, like it, it was a little, about a sixty. I wouldn't say it was a half chance, sixty percent chance. Because often you think, oh, he did the right thing there. I hate that commentary. Whereas if if say if that was the Gooch and say he just showed the ball right, brought it in sold whoever was coming across there was a, a covering defender stepped inside and stuck it into the bottom corner you'd be going well that looked easy it looks easy because you tried to do it do you know what I mean Cox didn't try to do it maybe he's not a good goal scorer you saw Doherty turned him down for Mayo the other night as well like yeah. I mean if you're not a good goal scorer I'd say fair enough usually corner forwards that's a snip if you were a good goal yeah, scorer like you're going you have, against Dublin you really yeah, need you a goal to, there I, my view is that when you're playing when you, certainly when you were playing against Dublin if you got half a chance you had to you had to go for it yeah. you had to go for it because and you should be told that the chances don't come around too often particularly when you're maybe the underdog in a game and you do have to be brave and just go for it and uh, yeah I'm not a big believer in the whole he did the right thing he fisted it over the bar yeah and the thing about him is he's after having a great first half scored two beautiful points from play sometimes and I've done it say if you're not playing that well and you want to get off the mark sometimes it's easier just to do it just mm-hmm. to get it all and you, you have a point on the board and it's still not right but I can understand it. but when your confidence is flying high yeah, well, uh, geez, you have to go for a goal there it's the angle that you're at as well I mean I can I, you can I make would, an angle would, just step inside I would give Doherty a little bit of leeway more so than Cox I think Cox had enough space and time to manufacture getting a shot away at goal yeah. now Davy Byrne was on his boot and he he didn't have a lot to aim at when you see it if you do a freeze frame on when he you know when he receives it but really top quality forwards are able to create that space to, to slot the ball home from that distance it didn't even need to be blasted it just needed to be tapped home so yeah. I mean if he like you were saying show the ball in his right hand step in onto his left and just open up the body yeah, and that and he's just and that would have been easy. Yeah, yeah, and I know. I know Not like, saying it's people, easy, but people will say like if he did that and scored, you'd say, "Geez, that was the right thing." To, like it's always we'll try it anyways. Like yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it is easy, but the top level forwards against Dublin when you need a goal, I think that's kind of you know when the way you have to do it. But you have we have to give Keane a bit of credit, uh, Conan, last week. Well, myself as well, I was agreeing with him, or maybe I brought it up about getting just get it in there, get it into Put the, the thing in there, get yeah. it in there. Dublin goal, get it in there. It was a good ball by Karma Costello, uh, lovely diagonal ball. It wasn't really an example of getting it in. It was just well, it was, it was one actually on getting one it and in there. It in. Yeah. yeah, just get it in. And the one thing about that that frustrates life out of me: the amount of times in games you see that ball is nearly always on. Always it's on. Always on when you're down one wing, the outside of the boot to the one on one, because the sweeper will drift and that's there. It's always there. And Costello probably only did it 
because he got the mark and he had time to actually settle on it. But and then the Ross Common goal as well. Get it in. Oh, a, a break will come on. But if you're in around there, like yeah. I mean, isn't it better than ha- aimlessly hand passing? Now that was but a Donny Smith pointed effort. Also, the conditions of the game as well. Like it with the, with the way conditions were at the weekend. Uh, incessantly hand passing the ball outside the screen in bad weather was going to lead to a handling error and giving the ball turning yeah. it over you might as well turn it over higher up the field and there w- you're right in every single game we see it the, when you're watching a game it's just unbelievable the amount of times that it's one on one or two on two inside and the ball is just not delivered yeah. because guys have their head down like if you're not trying to create a one on one or a two on two in the danger zone and putting the ball in what are you playing for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you playing no, for? Well, I know, and that's the point. Like, sure, the, whole, the whole thing is yeah. that you try to isolate one on one, yeah. or two on two, and, and you, you put it. the ball in. Yeah. you have that in there, and it's you'd prefer just to pass it to the side. Yeah. You know, like, it is bizarre, and we have covered enough that I don't want to go in, go into it too much more. But like, it, it's, it's just it's it's just absolutely bizarre. But Ross Common have to say uh, on three points to beat Galway, and they could beat Galway. Um, Galway are safe now and they're not at full strength and listen let's be honest as well when Roscommon targeted the league under Max Day they got to a quarter final like they're targeting the league obviously now they're trying to do well Roscommon are a good team it's just if they don't target the league they're not good enough to do what Dublin do and, or Kerry do or even yeah. Galway at this stage who are not targeting it they'll lose every game if they're not really up for it but if they're up for it they're, they, can, they can stay in Division 1 they've proven that uh, they've proven that before um, Sean O'Shea another sideline outstanding he's averaging 7 points um, during the league um, he's just a freak of nature he's only 20 like I mean this is how it's just become normal now that this fella's just doing really special things him and Clifford are just two special yeah. I think they'll be once in a generation players by the time they're finished um, can't wait to see the, them, them develop because like when you're only 20 you're still not at that I'm taking on I'm leading this team you, almost, you, you could be close but you're not these lads are only 20 yeah. it's, it's beyond belief how this lad's leading this forward line Tommy Walsh scored four lads three of them were marks some of the marks last night yeah. lads were out of a very Phenomenal, very top yeah. drawer and like I mean Jesus they were, br- they were Aussie rules catches yeah. lads they really were like I mean it's fantastic and I have to say when I was thinking of this offensive mark that's what I had in my head just give an option to win one over your head in there of uh, it doesn't have to be a big man or a small man but it's a longer ball and it's one spectacular you know what I mean it adds that drama it's a spectacular catch and that's the reward I wasn't always sh- sure like we've complained about, about catching one into your belly out around 45 and being rewarded for that that's not really you know that was spectacular what he was doing yesterday Mm, and he, he won a couple he won a one handy one on his chest because then he had Drew Wiley afraid of the high ball yeah. so Drew Wiley was sort of marking from behind and then Walsh was able to come out and he was knocking them all over he seemed to have his eye in a bit more I told nice you he was accurate a lovely yeah. one off the left yeah the point in the first half of his left was just a brilliant brilliant score and yeah he's he's because he's quick across the ground Walsh so like he he has it both ways in that he's he's able to offer that really you know the high ball in where he can stand and in his man and wrestle with him and if that's what the defender's expecting he'll drop in behind he'll drop out in front for these balls on the move and yeah look it was it was actually really good to see him back to that level because it's mad but you know it's a long time I played against him in an All-Ireland semi-final and I think that was 2009 so yeah. to think of you know all the time and all that's happened with him through injury and everything between you know then and now, um, it's great to see him still getting something out of it and being able to excel at that level. Yeah, no, definitely. And the thing, unfortunately for the championship, he won't be able to do what he did because he was going up for them so spectacularly. He was going to fall yeah. down, and you'll be cu- you'll be 
you'll be surrounded at that stage so he'll have to change his game a little bit on those catches maybe knock them down to someone running past or catch them but not as high yeah come <laughs> yeah. down on your feet but like it was ah it was spectacular it was outstanding like I mean that's what we want that's what you really want and that's what that offensive mark gives the team an option of doing Michael Murphy scored 1-2 lads um, stayed inside interestingly enough no Michael Murphy out around midfield and that's he, great he'd done his first full training well, session during the week so I well think, I'd uh, love if that was a sign of things to come you've Jason McGee out around midfield I know he got sent off you've Langan who's a big fella you've Audra McNeilish who can go out around midfield you've uh, McFadden you've enough big tall rangy athletes out there that Michael Murphy at his age now doesn't need to be out out around there he needs to be in on around that edge of the square taking an offensive mark or two scoring one two he's a finisher like his main like when Michael Murphy burst onto the scene he was your regular full forward who'd win Michael Murphy likes ball bouncing in front of him and he'll turn on left and right and score like an orthodox like forward when was it he burst on the scene it was against Cork I think in in an all around quarter final or something I think he scored something outrageous like six from play or something and there were all those type of scores but like put him back in doing that like I know this is not groundbreaking analysis for to even be suggesting that yeah. but at his age now just just leave him in there and, but it's not like you know Donegal are this weak team that need him out the field no they've enough out there yeah. whereas they didn't maybe they didn't for a few years but they have now that's yeah. the point yeah. and, and that goal that he got like you say as a finisher like it started off with Owen Gallagher burning somebody down the left then Ryan McHugh came off him Hugh McFadden came off him Lang- they've got enough runners enough power yeah. skill and then it's Pop to Murphy and he did the rest one touch cool. yeah like the look at Donegal with Ban Gallagher and McHugh as the two looks great and then you have Langan Thompson McNeilish you have McBrearty Murphy Brennan that is a good team lads then McGee looks to have put on a right bit of bulk mm. he looks like a huge man there the other night now it was a pity he got sent off and McFadden's a kind of a stocky kind of a working midfielder they have a real good balance to them now Donegal like while they're not going outstandingly brilliantly in the league but it's obviously horrible conditions I can see them and we predicted this last year that they in the next five years they'll be at the very top table yeah well talent wise they're they're a match for almost anybody in the country yeah. and um, if they can get a good run without any serious injuries now and get, get their players back together for the championship they'll they'll go very close again No sign of Rochford the other night I saw the camera went to Bonner a few times and it was Carl Lacey beside him on the line I didn't see Rochford now Rochford does like to st- sit up in the stand so he did that when he was with uh, I think he, or he someone used to be up in the stand so maybe he was up there didn't see anything majorly uh kind of obvious that would be geez well that's Rochford doing that although it's very you can't read anything into the game really because well, it was just such a mess yeah it was a mess say, yeah. it was a mess so it was hard to say So he wasn't stand sometimes during the league last year wasn't he for Mew like up in Castle Bar he would sit up in the stand and watch the whole game from up there And I think it was yeah I think he was I think he was John O'Loughlin I have to get a leash mention in I got Munley in Munley played well John O'Loughlin apparently um, was outstanding the other night you know Leash were a point down after playing with the Gale Force wind at half time which that's interesting enough like you know after um, losing to Westmead um, the last day you would have been at that game thinking Jesus what the hell did I come here for and uh, they put in a brilliant second half performance into the Gale Force wind to win it by three points so like I mean always that's a good sign with a team that are able to come out and do something like that so again Leash are right in the mix Leash play Carlo and, and Offaly if they win those two which I'd be very confident I'd be confident that they should win they'll go up because down play Westmead I'm pretty sure down have to play Westmead they haven't played them yet have they and they're the two that are above Leash so Leash have a better head to head than down Leash beat down so if Westmead beat down Leash 
can go above Down and if Down beat Westmead Leash will go above Westmead win two lads we're up to division two there you go so I said I'll he's finish he's trying it. to get on the Mead and Derry party wagon here like too late Wally geez, we're all no yeah we're all in good form this year imagine what we were like last year yeah, listen, oh, no, Wally, last until, year. until you're top of the league don't be talking to us <laughs> top of the league in division two who will I give performance of the weekend to Tommy Walsh there you go Tommy Walsh definitely um Looking him out of the sky, great to have him him back. And actually, in, interestingly, Kerry's average winning margin um, over their five games is two point six points. So they're bloody battling to wins and winning close games. And uh, in fairness to them, they look at they, they definitely look a different prospect this year. They're definitely a little bit of an edge to them, and it's it's uh, exciting to see. Mostly because of Tommy Walsh plucking him out of Skype. So there you go, Tommy. We'll have to find a pair of Paddy Power lucky pants that'll fit you. <laughs> <laughs> the size of him. Right, OK, we'll be back on Thursday um, with a show as usual. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.